0: there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not of, not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. <clears throat> he was in the world, Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Thanks be to God for this word.
1: Thanks, Heather. Let's just say a prayer and ask the Lord to, to help us. <coughs> Father God, we ask you to uh, speak through your word to our hearts this morning. We know, uh, we know that we're slow to understand, but you know that we're dust. And we ask you to be gentle but powerful amongst us and uh, open our eyes to this Jesus. Betrayed in this passage. And help us adore. Help us love him. And know him. And honour him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to focus on this passage through Advent, John 1 to 18, all the way through to Christmas. Um, It's about the incarnation. It's about the, the word become... Flesh, but for today, then we're just going to concentrate on those first three verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. It's a famous uh, Christmas reading, isn't it? And for reasons we'll get into, I think it's quite a helpful. Balance to some of the other Christian readings. So next slide, Max. Human beings, you see, we have two eyes. Okay, and you have two eyes, and that helps you perceive distance, and it helps you get a a, a 3D picture of objects that are in front of you. Okay, and since the 1830s, um, people have been creating viewers, which allowed you to put two pictures, one in front of each eye, with sort of like a divider in between. Um, And initially they were drawn because the photography hadn't really uh, got that far. One image slightly different from the other, and then it tricks the eye that it's seeing something in three dimensions. And then photography came along and you could get cameras and they would take um, just pictures just from very slightly different viewpoints. And then you put them in front of the eye and it it looks 3D. And then in the 1970s, okay... (laughs) You could, I think it was in the 70s, you could get one of these. It's called a Viewmaster. Okay, and mine came with uh, a series of pictures from the Flintstones on this little disc that you could, you could slot in the top. But well, for whatever reason, I don't know. I suspect that the, that the disc with the Flintstones came with the viewer because I had no real interest in the Flintstones. Either that or parents, you know, it's just one of those decisions parents make and then you realize. After, after the event that it was, uh, it fell a bit flat. You can still get an original Viewmaster on eBay, okay? And you can get stacks of the discs, okay, on eBay to go in your Viewmaster. You can get a new one um, today, should you, should you want one. That's an enduring product, isn't it? And you can get your pictures kind of made into the little discs, and you can slot them in, and then you can them and, and click through them. Though I'm not sure how they make that 3D. So Jesus' best friend, John, he wants you to get a 3D picture of the marvel of the, of the incarnation. And to do that, you have to have one image in one eye and you have to have another in the other eye. You have to keep one eye on his deity on his divinity, the fact that he is God. And you have to keep the other eye on his humanity and the fact that he is really human. And most of the time, I think, we only see um, one or the other. So today, I'm going to try and give you a picture for both eyes. Okay, I've called one the left eye the right eye. That's entirely arbitrary, um, my decision. Um, but let's start with the left eye, say, and let's get a picture to go in the left eye. And, and this is what... Two things, really, that that John says. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's an astonishing statement, really. In the beginning, it occurs in two other places. Um, Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created, and in Psalm uh, 102, uh, they're both about uh, that moment of creation. And then actually the psalm gets quoted in um, Hebrews later on. But in the beginning, John wants to take us right back. He's deliberately echoing uh, the Genesis language. And he wants to say this story that I'm about to tell you about Jesus, the man. To tell you this story, I have to go right back to creation. In fact, we have to go right back. Beyond creation. I think when he says in the beginning. He's talking about that time before there was a planet. Before there were men and women. Before there was anything. In the beginning there was God. And there was God in this slightly mysterious word. And yet this word is both God and is with God. He both is God and is distinct from God. Now, having said that, the mystery doesn't last very long. It's resolved in verse 17. No, not 17. That's obviously a wrong reference. But it's in there. It <laughs> doesn't last very long. When he says, we've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. So very soon this mystery is resolved that these two people are God the Father uh, and, they, and they are God the Son. God the only begotten, the one of a kind um, son. One and only Son is what it says in verse 14. So before there was anything, there was God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But as so often happens in the Bible, the Holy Spirit gets left out. And I don't have a really good answer for you to that. Except that I think. This is as near as we can get. The Father um, seems to be in, in, in the Trinity. So they are three persons. They are one being. And yet they are three persons. That's as far as I'm going to tell you about the Trinity this morning. I'm not going to try and explain it. But the Father, it seems, has the role of initiating and planning. It is the Son who executes. And it is the Holy Spirit who applies. So in creation, it's the Father who plans it is the Son who executes. It's the Holy Spirit is there as well, hovering over the waters. In some strange way, he, he's there too. They're all involved in creation. And then in redemption, in our rescue, it's the Father who plans it. He's the Son who executes it. It's the Son who is executed in this plan. And then it's the Holy Spirit who applies the presence of Christ to us. It's the Holy Spirit who applies... Adoption to us. It's the Holy Spirit who makes the makes the Bible real to us. It's the Holy Spirit who tells our hearts that we're God's children. But strangely, and I think this is as near as we can come to an answer, his role is never to bring attention to himself. Holy Spirit, he just brings attention to what the Father and the Son um, are doing. And I think that's why he, he doesn't get mentioned. Paul, old Holy Spirit. He's like the kind of courier who kind of brings it, brings it to you and um, doesn't get mentioned. It's a radically submissive ministry, though. And that's worth reflecting on, that within the character of God is radical submission. So in your left eye, we've got this picture of the Word. That is the pre-incarnate Jesus. That is Jesus, while he was God the Son, before he became a human being. And we have that picture in our left eye. There's another picture, part of that picture... For your left eye, and it is this. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word was present at creation. And through him, through him, through Jesus, before he was Jesus, all things were made. John reinforces it with a kind of double negative. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He was involved with the making of everything. And we probably need to turn here, we need to turn over to Colossians chapter 1. So come with me if you will to Colossians chapter 1 and we'll pick up another little reading which will fill this out for us. It's on page 1182. So keep your finger in John. Um, put your other finger in one thousand one hundred eighty this is worth reading Colossians 1 verse 15 it says this and if you think John is just going off on one of John's kind of flowery passages then this is Paul uh, and Paul says exactly the same thing but actually slightly expands on it the sun, this is verse 15, chapter 1, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, Jesus was involved with the making of everything, all creation. But in Colossians, we see a little bit more. Jesus is the son of God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is literally, the word is icon. Jesus is the icon of the invisible God. And it makes you think of computers these days, doesn't it? Because you have a little icon on the screen for a file, and you click it, or you double-click it, depending on what kind of computer you have, and, and the real document comes up. So the icon, icons in our, uh, our usage are just little pictures which kind of represent a bigger thing. But Jesus is, the, is more than that. He is the exact um, representation. Um, according to uh, Hebrews, it's the exact representation of God's being. Son sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That's, you have to start using some analogies and you just have to start letting, stop fretting about whether you've really got hold of this or not and just let it come before your eyes. It's almost like Jesus is the sunbeams of the sun. He's the radiance of God's glory. If God is the glory of God with the sun, Jesus is perhaps like the light coming out from the sun. The exact representation is a word, um, Greek word character. Jesus, like you, did he have one of those rubber stamp kids as a kid? Getting very nostalgic this morning. Um, the John Bull printing set, and you kind of stamped it and the thing, and you put the little letters in, stamped it. Jesus is the stamp. Yeah, you put an N in, you get a stamp, and you get an N. He's the exact representation, uh, he's the character. The exact representation of God's being. To the extent that uh, Jesus can say to Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. It's Just an astonishing statement, isn't it? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I used to kind of like find Nathan in photographs. I've told you this before. Um, But when I was looking in photographs and looking for myself, I would find Nathan. um, Which is kind of hopeless, wishful thinking on my part. okay. Because, yes, he is like me, but he's a younger, darker-haired, slimmer version of me. Um, so some hopeless, wishful thinking was going on there. Um, someone once said we were essentially the same person. <coughs> but we're not. And Jesus is the same being as the Father. And yet, as a distinct person. He's more like than Nathan is like me and I'm like Nathan. He's the firstborn, Paul says, over all creation. Not the firstborn in creation. He's not born into creation. He's the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn means preceding all others in time or space or degree. That's what I read. Preceding all others in time or space or degree. Jesus is before all creation. And yet he has the rights of the firstborn over creation. In other words, it is his. As a firstborn would inherit, so he has the rights of the firstborn over creation. He's Lord, in other words. And we get this repetition again in him, all things were created, by him, all things were created, whether they were heavenly, whether they're spiritual powers, or whether they are earthly. And I think this thing about the rulers, they're probably uh, referring to all the realms of of angels and archangels and the realm of, of, of demons and authorities. They're all created by him, whether or not they fell later. Whether they can be seen or whether they cannot be seen, they're created by him. Whether they're literally invisible because they're spiritual or because they're invisible because they're beyond our eye. Because they're far, far away and they're hidden behind the rest of the universe. Hidden behind the galaxies in between. Whether they're hidden from our eye because they're tiny and they're small and they're they're subatomic, it was all created by him. They were created by him and they were created for him. For him. All creation is or should be oriented towards Jesus. He is before all things. Before in time and therefore before in rank and therefore before in importance. And in him all things hold together. Wow. in, in him, in Christ, all things hold together. It's a word that means, yes, they hold together. They become a system. They become a whole around Jesus and because of Jesus. So very, little, very literally, all those subatomic particles, um, they, they spin around their nuclei or whatever they do. Because Jesus sustains them. And all those galaxies, yes, they, they spin. Because Jesus sustains them. And metaphorically, they spin around him. They spin around him because they're being created for him. He is the center of gravity of all things. So have you got that? got that, in a sense. If you've got all of that, you'd be, a, you'd be a mega brain, but you've got a picture, you've got an outline in your left eye, right eye. Okay. He came into the world, we're told. Came into the world. The ro- True light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. How can that be? He's the being that creates all things, he sustains all things, and he comes into the world. He, he's conceived in a in a young woman's womb and he experiences birth and he experiences childhood we're told the word was in the world he who holds the world together comes into our world told that he was unrecognised he was not known how amazing um, and how utterly shocking that he came to that which was his own Humanity is his own. Israel was his own. And he was unrecognized. And yet how like him. To move without. Pressing his lordship. He made his dwelling. Among us. He settled here. He settled here. For a while. The word who made this planet was prepared to dwell in a house. And the, world had, the, the word is used um, in the sense of, he, he tabernacled amongst us. So the occupant of the heavenly, te- of the heavenly temple, the focus of, uh, of all worship and glory came and made this place his home, his temple. For a period of time. So have you got that? You have got your left eye picture. You got your right eye picture. Okay. We're going to try and hold these two together. So I want to try and try a little exercise. Okay. Um, and you might want to um, <coughs> you might want to close your eyes and sit back, unless of course you've already closed your eyes and sat back. Um, in which case, now now is the moment to sit up. Um, but if that's not you. I'm going to read you one scripture for your left eye. I know, I know I'm mixing metaphors. And one, I'm going to paint another picture in front of your right eye. And I just want you to be stirred. Make it a 3D picture. Put the two side by side and see what happens. Okay, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And and there was light. God saw the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And he called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The creative word is prepared to be conceived by another. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favour with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you to call him Jesus. And God said, let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. The creator of the stars, Jesus, comes to earth led by a star. Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then the creator, Jesus, the creator of all thrones and powers and rulers or authorities, allows himself to become vulnerable to jealous monarchs. When they'd gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there, and I'll tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. The one who created all things, visible and invisible, comes lives in a backwater. He went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And the firstborn over all creation, the one for whom it is made, (coughs) is born a baby. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Father, help us to hold both these pictures together. In the name of your son, amen. I've given you some more scriptures and you can take a bit longer and do something like that on your home groups in the week. But what will we do going into this season then? Well, I would suggest just try and look with, with both eyes together. And there are some people in the story who have both eyes open. And I suggest that you keep an eye out for them um, during the season. Next slide, Mark. So Elizabeth and Zechariah eventually have both eyes open. They're the parents of of John the Baptist. They see who who Christ is and who he's going to become. And Zechariah prophesies. They speak it out loud. They worship and they wonder. Mary and Joseph, eventually, have both eyes open. Why is it that the men need double revelation? But they see who Jesus is with both eyes open, and they obey what they've been told. They carry through what they're asked to do, which in their case is to get married and to bring him up. I suggest that Simeon and Anna in the temple have got both eyes open. Um, they've been looking for a saviour for Israel and, and they see the saviour in the child. They're an amazing pair. They're not a pair, I mean the two people, but they, they've got both eyes open. And what do we learn from them? It's a great lesson for all who are getting old and tired. Which is to keep going through the day of small things which is to keep pressing on until you see God face to face. And then the magi, don't they, they come and they've got both eyes open. They see this baby and they bow down and worship. That's the people who are most impressive in the story are the people who've got both eyes open. And what do they do? They bow down. They worship and they give costly gifts. And that's, I think, what we should do. We should copy the people who have got both their eyes open. We should come and see Christ in his vulnerability, in his infancy, in his lack of power, and see Christ almighty um, with all power and in all creation and put the two together. (laughs) And then your heart should cry out in worship, Maybe you don't even have words for it. Just go, Lord, that is, what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing you have done for us. Start with worship. But out of worship then comes obedience and out of obedience comes perseverance, like Simeon and Anna. And out of that, out of worship and obedience and perseverance comes costly giving, whatever that means. (laughs) <laughs> Whether that's mental, physical, time, time, energy, or financial, whatever it might be. Because as we read on in, in Colossians 1, we read, we read on: um, that Christ is the head of the body, um, the church, He's the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy." so that in everything he might have supremacy. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Next slide. So the Colossians passage brings us to the point, isn't it? Why does does God Almighty become um, Christ? To human being so that he can go to a cross. If we hadn't seen wonders upon wonders, here's another one. God becomes man so that he can live perfectly and die sacrificially. So that he can reconcile all things. He can reconcile you and me are heavenly father but in doing that he must be lord doing that he takes supremacy this is the end goal of the incarnation how do we respond put Christ in the supreme place where he belongs put Christ in the supreme place where he belongs is Christ first I could give you a list of of areas of life Okay, I've done that on the home group notes you can go and find those out I could give you a list is Christ first here here and here and here and here and here and here but I suggest an alternative approach where you do a bit of self-diagnostics. Okay. And I would ask you this, the, the place where you are most miserable. Where are you most miserable? Okay. I think that's a good point to start looking, is Christ first? It's just one of those places to ask yourself. Second place to look, obviously, perhaps more obviously, is the nagging conscience place. You know, there's just something that, uh, uh, conscience is gentle, isn't it, most of the time. Conscience can be shut up and conscience can be repressed. But if you're honest and you sit for a while, then your conscience will tell you, is Christ really first? And it will tell you where that is. That place where you say, Is this really a sin? Is this really wrong? You can always guarantee that somewhere you're not putting Christ first. See him with both eyes. John one, it's this great Christmas reading, it saves us from a one eyed view of the incarnation, from a sentimental view of a child in in a manger. Keeps both eyes open to who Jesus really is. He is God the Son, come in human form, to die for us, so that we might be reconciled, so that he might have the supremacy. Let's pray. Father god we're so grateful for the, the gospel revelation it shows to us our Jesus, the Jesus that we hold to, the Jesus that we cling to, the Jesus we run to as creator as God beyond creation and before creation and over creation, and yet it tells us this story of, of the word become flesh, God the son become son of God in human form. And Lord, it blows our minds and it's supposed to, and we pray that we'll allow ourselves this Christmas to wonder a bit and and ask that that wonder will become worship. That we'll find words to, to relate back to you how amazing this is, how amazing you are, and how much you mean to us. Amen.